Hello, I'm Taylor. I'm Ryan. And this is Unbetween. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11. Uh, in this episode, we're, we're getting into something we've been wanting to talk about for at least a month, but as you, some of you may know, we have not posted anything lately. <laughs> we've kind of gotten busy and I'll take the blame for that, but we, uh, we've kind of had some things we've wanted to talk about. And, and honestly, it's probably good that we've taken some time to get into them just with what's been going on. Uh, you know, really what we're talking about right now is going to be part one of at least a two-part series. And really the title of this one is, is All Your Mind. And how we love Christ with that, how as Christians we should use our mind to be efficient for Christ and used by Him. And hopefully it will be helpful. Taylor, you, you have some stuff to add, I'm sure, here. We, we look at how essential it's an essential component of following Christ. And that mm. when um, we're, we're going to focus mostly on kind of the positive command this time in the second conversation, we're going to talk more about the implications of what happens when we don't follow that. We're, there's going to be some overlap, but... The call to love God with our minds runs all through scripture and is something that has to be part of what kind of the bedrock of our relationship with God is built on. And it looks different for everybody. Not only is it essential, but it's enriching to know God for who he is and to be known by him is, is uh, you know, the most essential part of what following Christ is about. Yeah, I meant to text you something the other day, and I had it typed out. I was sitting in church, and the pastor, as he was teaching, you know, he made some comment, the closer you are to the light, the easier it is to see the dirt on your hands. Hmm. I just, I don't know, I feel like that was a lot of like what we've talked about kind of with the flesh, it's, and all of us being bad, and, and you know, biblically, none being good, but even looking at it that way, whereas um, as we become more holy, we should feel more dirty in many ways or be more aware of the, hmm. the fleshly desires we have. Because um, that's what he's been kind of preaching through. You know, the law didn't come to save us. It came to point out that we needed a savior. And um, he, he's real good about using quotes at times. And he, there's a guy named C.E.B. Cranfield that he uh, pointed out some quotes about. And I, I mean, I meant to send them to you too, and I forgot, but... He said, as a person begins to grasp the call to holiness, the more conscious he becomes of his own continual sinfulness, his stubborn, all-pervasive egotism. And then he says, the more seriously a Christian strives to live from grace and to submit to the discipline of the gospel, the more sensitive he becomes to the fact of his continuing sinfulness, the fact that even his very best acts and activities are disfigured by the egotism which is still powerfully within him, are no less evil because it is often more subtly disguised than formerly. It's kind of like... Um... Well, you take the first layer off and it's, you know, you, like if you're cleaning something, you, know, you can get that first layer of dirt or grime off fairly easily all the time. But it's those stubborn stains, the caked on, the baked on, the, uh, yeah. you know, the thing that dropped on there years ago and then has five layers of other stuff over it. And it takes a while to dig down into that. Yeah. And, you know, as you strip the other stuff away, then you can get to the root of things and, um, I had a mentor that talked about strongholds quite a bit when I was younger and that, and pointed out that um, a lot of the times that the struggles with sin that we have are a result of modifying our behavior without removing the strongholds from our life. And that it's, it's easier to, you know, it's easier to focus on, oh, I can't do this anymore rather than to be willing to get to the root of what is it in me and my spirit that is actually causing this. 
mm. and what um what thoughts or desires are buried way down that I don't want to admit and let go of that are manifesting in this in these choices that I'm making. Yeah, and and that's the big part of it. I mean, there's there's nothing innate to us that's going to allow us to be good. I can't just wake up one morning and be like, "Oh, I'm going to be good today." Like that. That's <laughs> biblically that's impossible. Like it, it's God in us, and mm-hmm. um, so we have to put ourselves to death daily and, and allow him to live through us or else i will struggle with the same stupid stuff over and over again yeah um i will give in to the same mistakes um it's not that there's some morning i'm gonna wake up and it's oh you know i don't want to do that anymore or i'm not going to struggle with that anymore i mean maybe i do think god sanctifies and purifies us but that part of that is allowing him to live completely in us and not live by those sinful desires you know that's yeah. why you can easily do something um not to reflect too much back on the whole uh, resolution thing, but I think it's easy for us to feel like, oh, we've beat something this year. And then years ago, later, you may fall back into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at people who struggle with alcoholism. It's not this, oh, you know what, I've beat it. Like there, yeah. there's constantly a struggle. Um, any addiction can come back and bite you years later. Yeah. But if you're allowing God to, to indwell within you and are being attentive to the Spirit, then you were able to live apart from those things. Not that you won't slip up. Um, you know, sanctification, I feel like it's a process we go through till we die. <laughs> well, yeah, and then we're completely sanctified. So I, but, you know, I, I don't think there's some point where we're like, oh, I'm completely sanctified. It's just something we're, we're always in the process of with our ups and downs and highs and lows. And it's the, uh, it's the already but not yet thing. Mm-hmm. Or, yep. uh, uh, becoming who we already are is another way that I heard it put. Uh, I, I once heard it described thusly that on your wedding day, like once you you and your spouse say I do, you are now married. So like in our case, we became husbands. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we can't get any more husband than we are. And yet, however many years later, I'm aware I'm still becoming what I signed up to be on that day. You know, not, I hesitate to say better, although some of it is that, but just, um, I have a better understanding of what it means to be a husband now. I have a better understanding of what's required of me, of what it is and isn't. And hopefully you you don't struggle with exactly the same things 10 years in as you did the first couple of years and that you're able to make Mm -hmm. progress and move on. And, you know, the things that you, you struggle with or didn't do a good job taking care of at first, hopefully now you've learned from them. And there, there's some things like that in my life. And <laughs> as you said a minute ago, that, and once you get past those, you're aware of other things <laughs> that you need to oh, take yeah. care of in yourself yeah. that God reveals to you. And so I, I think in much the same way as, you know, I still have to get up every day and decide, okay, in order to be a good husband, a good father, a good uh, employee, whatever, whatever it happens to be for you, then I still need to make the right choices. And I still need to be mindful of what I might fall into if I don't pay attention. Yeah. I mean, b- being aware of it's kind of half the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't think we can be aware, aware of all those things without the presence of Christ in our life. Yeah. Um, in the world, you know, I think that that's where our awareness of, of evil, of sin comes from. Um, in the same way, we, we can't do anything about it apart from that either. And, yeah. and, and doing something about it may just be being aware of it so you can't keep it in check. Well, and a lot of what we've talked about in episodes previous is that so much 
of your life or what happens in your life or what you experience, you have almost no control over whatsoever. Or a lot of times yeah. none. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't force people to do what I think they should do. Um, putting somebody I agree with in a position of power is not going to magically change things. Having this law or that law in the books is not going to do it. But what I can do something about is responding to the leading of the spirit of God in my life. And really at the end of the day, that's all I can do. And that is yeah. what is going to make the most lasting change. Not just if I do it, but if the people of God collectively are doing that, that's what, when the world takes notice of us making a difference or when Jesus people do Jesus stuff, it's when it looks like that, I think. And sometimes it's like, Hey, good job. You're doing good work. And other times it's like, <laughs> Hey, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Absolutely. Well, and that, that's such an important message for now. Um, yeah. You know, just as Christians, what are we supposed to do? There's, things we could look toward and put our trust in, but we're not supposed to. We're supposed to put our trust in Christ and, and trust him to make sense of everything that we'll never make sense of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think regardless the, what side you may tend to fall on. Yeah. This is a good prelude to the conversation we wanted to have today mm-hmm. because there's a scripture that says, I think this is in Romans, don't, uh, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind kind of what a lot of what we're talking about is is allowing our minds to be renewed by the spirit of god and keeping in step with that and allowing ourselves as paul says in colossians to be conformed to the image of god's son to to the image of christ and we're titling this episode with all your mind because a lot of the the problems that we that we see in, in our society and in the world and also in our own lives comes come as a result of us not allowing God to renew renew our minds and not loving God with our minds. And by that, I don't mean that you need to go get a seminary degree or become a scholar or a theologian necessarily, but that everybody, regardless of their kind of IQ level and education and home background, whatever, the call to love God with your mind is the same. And that in church culture in America anyway, a lot of the time we fall into patterns of thought and study and theology that are not rooted in loving God with our minds. And I'm Mm. sure we could come up with a lot of examples of that. And this is probably going to be a two-part conversation, but that ultimately we we wanted to start with the kind of the the positive end or the positive side of the blade, (laughs) as it were, in that um, God who is who is other is unlike us, would want us to engage with him mentally and would want for us to know what he is like, both intellectually and also experience it. And that the way that the scriptures are designed and laid out and the way that they're designed to be read demands that you engage them with your mind. And that there is so much about God's good world and his creation that is complex and beautiful and only yields its, uh, its treasure, if you like, when you engage it with your mind over a long period of time and with diligence and excellence and hard work. And that just the same as God wants to be known through your emotions and experience through your emotions, he wants you to experience him and his goodness with your mind. And in a lot of strains of of church thought and practice that I've seen over my life, it has very much seemed like loving God with your mind is at times disconnected from that experience. And Mm -hmm. conversely, I've also been in a lot of church situations where loving God with your emotions and 
kind of your feelings and your heart was disconnected from the experience. And we can talk about that, you know, maybe on a different episode, but have you had much experience where you've, where it has seemed like the whole, the call to engage with your mind was not quite there? Yeah. And, and in different ways, you know, I actually just wrote down a couple of things. So I want to forget because, you know, my mind sometimes is not what I want it to be. <laughs> and, and I think the same thing happens within even, even my walk. I think there's times where I allow my mind to not be fully focused um, on the things of God. And that starts affecting other things. And, and part of that's because I've split things up and maybe I'm allowing part of my mind to be there um, part of the week. But then there's these other things that are kind of vying for my attention or that are just always in front of us in the media or whatnot that can easily sway your mind. And then I think there's other times and maybe even other people who can relate to where maybe they just don't want to think about it. I, I've heard people. I'll send them something, you know, or something to read or something to watch. And, and I get back, well, yeah, I just, I don't, I started it, but I don't want to think that much right now. <laughs> yeah. And, um, or I just, I don't think I'm going to understand it. So I just, I'm not going to watch it. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, I, I get that sometimes things are maybe a little more than we want to think about in the moment, but are we allowing ourselves to be focused on, on God in a way where it's not like, hey, this is going to drive me crazy, but um, this is going to draw me closer to him. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. And are we, are we building our, are we building rhythms into the way that we spend our time that allow mm. us, you know, room for that kind of introspective thought and ex- experience with God or with the Bible or with other believers? Absolutely. I've heard a lot about that recently, just with, um, with a group I've met with for a while that, that where we kind of start talking about even praying and praying for other countries and how it's easy to start doing that maybe, but you know, a month in, two months in, we may, may fall short of that. So, that, you know, they even mentioned why this time. And I've set these reminders on my, my phone to where it's going to alert me. and I'm going to stop and pray for, for this country or for these mm-hmm. people or whatever's going on. And I, I don't know, there's part of me that's like, well, we shouldn't have to be able to do that. But yeah, maybe we have to. Maybe we shouldn't have to mm-hmm. because we should be so focused on God. But again, we're human and our minds are very easy to grasp. Um, away from where they should be so yeah stuff like that i I probably should be doing it you know just to Mm -hmm. make sure i can take those times and focus where i need to and it's the uh along with that is the call to take our thoughts captive take every Mm -hmm. thought captive and make it obedient to christ and uh if we don't build up that mental fortitude not just of concentration but um not every idea that pops into your head belongs there not every feeling Mm -hmm. that you have is of God or of good for that matter. And if we don't learn how to kind of construct our mental furniture and filters in a way that, okay, I'll let this idea I'll meet at the door. It ain't getting in here. (laughs) You know, I'll cordially greet it when it rings the doorbell, but that's about it. This one I might invite into the foyer. This one can come sit on the couch or whatever. And um, I think it pays to be aware even of, we're talking about self-awareness again, how is it that our brains work? How do we process information? And how do we, here's a good example. I used to hear a lot when I was younger, garbage in, garbage out. Perhaps you've heard that too. And there's truth mm-hmm. to that. One of the potential downsides of that, because they would be talking about, well, you don't, um, you don't need to pay attention to people with kind of like apostate or heretical ideas or you don't need to watch these kinds of movies. Don't hang around with these kinds of people because they're just going to corrupt you. Basically, basically saying uh, avoid any and all of this stuff. And you know they 
have scriptures to back it up. And I, I see I see the point, and I think there's some truth yeah. and some wisdom to it. The converse of that is that you are not training yourself to process and, and parse ideas, and you are not figuring out how to continue to be who Christ called you to be when you're swimming you know, in, in dangerous waters, as it were. And some of what I've seen, we've talked about this some kind of in the deconstruct and disengage episodes, is that because people didn't do the mental work to strengthen themselves and allow God to remove their, to renew their minds in that way, when they were exposed to stuff from outside, they weren't prepared to handle it. And I think that that is, that's something we have to keep in mind too. You mentioned parsing. I think that's a lot of it. And I hear that term um, since I've been kind of in the like IT side of healthcare. I hear it a lot coming in from what we're collecting, you know, what you're bringing into a report, what kind of data we're getting. Mm-hmm. And yes, it, <laughs> you want to collect as much as possible, you know, but to make sense of it. So you have something on the other side. And so, so what's happening between that collection and that the input and the output is, is important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. You know, what are you doing with that? There's things we're not going to be able to handle, not handle, but not have any control of coming into our mind. And so, yeah. Do we ignore it and pretend like it wasn't there, even though something obviously happened and we had had a thought? Um, or do we address it within a biblical context and uh, allow God to do with that what only he can, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that's what's important, making sure we're... Um, it's very easy to ignore sin and ignore our instincts yeah. and think that that's being um, biblical or spiritual about it when that may not be the case. It may just allow us to hide it and allow it to grow into an, to an unhealthy amount. Because um, mm-hmm. that's how our mind works. If you get a little bit of something and, and you like it, you're going to want more of it, right? Yeah. Like that's, there's chemical makeups within our, our brain that, that allow that and that thrive off that. And so if you're not being careful with that and just saying, oh, well, yeah, that happened, but I'm going to ignore it, that that's maybe not the best way. I don't know. Not to say that there's not things you should just ignore, but I think you have to be careful with just ignoring because maybe you're not really addressing what what's there within your life if you're yeah. just trying to ignore something. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, I, I feel like I'm rambling there, but no, it does because there is uh, in our culture now in America, the United States, uh, and I guess it's always been this way and it goes in cycles. But um, you talk about like there's a line in uh, I think it's in the Declaration of Independence: "We hold these truths to be self-evident." You know, that, that phrase, self-evidential truth. There yeah. are so many kind of, there are so many things that are just not self-evident anymore in all culture. Things that maybe 10 or 20 years ago were taken for granted by most people. And that just isn't the case anymore. And again, I think it goes in cycles. And I think if you rewound 100 years or 50 years or whatever, 30 years, you'd find the same kinds of things. And if we fast forward 20 years, it may have flipped again. There isn't anything new under the sun. and there isn't a, I don't think you're going to find a moment in the present that is not reflected in the past somewhere. Can't, are we ready to have those conversations with people about what the Bible says about, well, what's human sexuality for? Or about, well, is there only one God? Or, you know, what's a man? What's a woman? All, all this kinds of stuff are, are really, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of conversation going on both in, within the church and without it, about those issues right now. And I think a lot of the time the church has kind of re, been reactive rather than proactive to a lot of those things. And mm-hmm. it, it really puts us in good stead if we, in a, 
in a serious, with care and wisdom, spend yeah. time thinking about and researching, and I mean really thinking, which involves also pondering things you most certainly do not agree with. But yeah. do you know how to respond to them? Are we, uh, are our minds open to hear so that we understand, not just so that we can respond, you know? Because if we're mm-hmm. going to love people well who don't agree with us and who live their lives completely and totally disconnected from the ethic of scripture, how do we relate to them if we haven't thought about these things? Yeah. And, and people make it tough. You know, I, I heard you say care and wisdom, but in my head, I also heard care and wisdom. And we, we all know kind of the current like Karen idea. Yeah. And so like when you say that, I'm like, you know what? That's a good picture of the kind of the two ways that can be received even. And I, I don't know that we'll ever be ready. Um, I think there's a biblical call to talk about those things, even if we're not ready um, or we don't feel like we're ready because culture is going to push back on that as we try and do it with care and wisdom, that care and wisdom is going to come out somewhere or fight it or try and, or, I mean, let's just be honest, cancel culture is huge right now. Yeah. Um, so as you try and say these things, if you don't do it with care and wisdom in places that are careful in places that are in small groups and communities where that can be received, then you're just going to get discounted. Yeah. I think you, a lot of the time you have to demonstrate that you care for a person before you can successfully disagree with them. Absolutely. Because, because then there's something to fall back to. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's, I, I have close friends who, you know, if we were to sit and talk, and we do have conversations at times, but if you look at, you know, even sometimes biblically, but more often politically, especially around the conversations that we're having in America right now, we're going to have disagreements. Guess what? We still eat with them. We still meet yeah. with them weekly. We still camp with them because yeah. that's not what the relationship's built off of. It's built off a love for Christ and a love for each other. Yeah. What does Paul say? I resolved, I resolved to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And that's the foundation yeah. of like our brotherhood and sisterhood as the family yeah. of God. And all this other stuff is just stuff we pile on top of it. It's not that it's not important, but that at the core, that can we agree that Christ is who he said he was? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, what, that's all we need. Well, and it's what's the basis of the foundation? You know, I, I, saw, I saw something the other day um, which said, you know, there's a whole lot of Christians out here who care more about the second amendment than the second commandment. Yeah. And, and it hit me um, yeah. in, in many ways because, I, I mean, I, I, I like guns. I'm a, I'm, you know, a pretty conservative guy. So there's a lot of things there that fall in line. And it wasn't more of a, hey, the second, it, it didn't say the Second Amendment's wrong. It's not what it said. It just made the comment that there's a lot of Christians that care more about that than the Second Commandment. And I heard that and it was kind of a slap in the face because there's that instinct of me that wants to be like, hold up, what's, what's wrong with the second amendment? Or, you know, and I know there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who probably hear that and instantly go to that. Nope. I'm going to defend this instead of saying, you know what? There's some truth in that. Yeah. So with my whole mind, how can I think about this differently yeah, in order to not get caught up in something? And we talked about, it's a citizen of heaven thing in that mm-hmm. where is your allegiance ultimately to ultimately to the King of Kings or to whatever your perceived rights are? Yeah, you know, and I th- I think that's a really yeah. good illustration. Is what are we? H- how can we allow our minds to be transformed so that we know how to think about that and put it in its place? Because, like you said, it's not that this or any of these other issues we're mentioning are not important or even essential sometimes, but yeah, they're secondary to the main thing. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, th- there's there's a reason for those. Now, that's my thing. I, I th- there's a reason for that amendment. There's great implications for that freedom, right? But I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong. Someone, if listeners, please reach out to us if I am. I, I don't find the Second Amendment in the Bible. Oops. 
the second commandment I do. I'm not, that doesn't mean it's wrong or bad, or I think that it means there's some implications for how we should handle and treat that amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there may be a good biblical case for why we should have it, but I don't find it explicitly stated. The yeah. second commandment I do, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, but we, we care more about the little things we want to hold on to. Um, yeah, for sure. And again, you know, I, I want to, I even had someone actually reach out to me this week and I appreciated it, but he made the comment that he felt like we were doing a good job walking between kind of two sides in the middle and between all of it, unbetween all of it as we try and have these discussions. And so we want to, you know, I'm not trying to bring certain things up to, to try and divide. If we are not stating it in a way where it feels that way, please let us know, because that, that is something we want to do is, is try and walk this line and have that common fallback point of we're all talking about this and having these conversations to grow in Christ, not yeah. to build divisiveness. So we had Jay Newman of the Catacomb podcast on, on our second episode. And recently I heard him sum this up in a really wise way. And I think this is a good example of ha- how you engage with your mind and your heart at the same time. He was talking about the guns issue. And he said, really, what you have to boil it down to is that we all want the same things. So take guns. And he said that you have one guy who wants to protect his family. He wants them to be happy, healthy, safe, and well. So he buys a gun to help ensure that that happens. You have another guy who wants to keep his family safe and wants them to be happy, healthy, and well. And so he doesn't buy a gun, so there's no chance of anything ever happening with it. They both want the same thing. They've chosen different ways to get there. And you can sit, those two guys, if they can admit that, they can sit down at the same table and have a conversation about, well, here's why I, th- I think this and here's why I think that. But they want the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a good, him laying it out like that, I thought was a really good example of, of engaging with your mind and being willing to step back and say, okay, let me take my own kind of fire, <laughs> you know, yeah. in my belly out of this and, and really consider where we're all coming from and what it is we're trying to do. Yeah. And I think that's, that's important. If we're going to have those conversations, that fire in the belly, it's not bad to have those convictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should, if you don't have any, I'd, I'd be concerned about what you really do care about. Yeah. But those convictions can very easily put a wedge between you and another person to the extent where you can't love them or can't have conversations with them about, about what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and that's scary. One, one of the things I'm reminded of this week, which this is a big week in our country in that we, mm-hmm. we had a shift in administration from one party to another. And the two parties in our country at this point are pretty far apart, generally speaking, as far as what they think about this or that issue and how they handle things and all that. And I'm sure some of you who are listening land in one or the other generally, and some of you may land more in the middle or nowhere at all. <laughs> We've talked about that too. But one of the things I have noticed is that... Um, the ways in which each side thinks about things is manifested in the way that they talk about them and the buzzwords they use and the rhetoric that comes up and in the way, in the responses they have to any situation. I said this on a previous episode, this is, there's a line in Fellowship of the Ring that uh, you, could, you could know what a Baggins reply was going to be on any situation without the bother of asking him. <laughs> and yeah. I do feel like that sometimes where it's like, Oh, this person's a Republican, so here's what they're going to think about this. There's, this person's a Democrat, so of course they're going to respond that way. A lot of times it's mm-hmm. true. Uh, but I think what that illustrates, and you, you, can, you could pull in other examples of, well, he's a charismatic, so da-da-da, or this guy's you know, reformed, or the, yeah. she's an open theist, or wh- whatever it is. There's some truth to all that, 
And, and I think it's an illustration of have your convictions, fine. But this is part of what happens when we don't love God with our minds in that we, if we're not connected to the source, if we're not keeping in step with the spirit, if we're not allowing God to transform our minds, then as you said a few minutes ago, they will be pliable and, in, and influenced by any itching ear teaching that comes along that makes us feel good and that paints the people we don't like as the enemies that we get to hate and paints us as the good yeah. guys and tells us you're on the right track as long as you keep doing what you're doing. And the thing about thinking that you have it figured out and that your crew is the right crew and that your interpretation and your theology is what God wants is it will blind you to the areas in your life in which that is not true. Let's say you have X, Y, and Z correct. Good. We should be humble that God in his grace has brought us to the places where he wants us to be on those things. Mm -hmm. But we should also be humble and be looking out for what, what closet doors have I not opened? What is the thing that's crouching like a lion waiting to devour me, as the scripture yeah. puts it? I guess for me, it's, it's just, what, what are my blind spots? What are those things in my life where my mind is clogged up, you know? Where, mm -hmm. are, where are the bottlenecks in my own mind that I haven't given up to God yet because I haven't been studying or I haven't been waiting and listening to him or I'm not around the kind of people who will sharpen me? We all need to be aware of that stuff. Yeah, well, and, and that last thing you said is a big part of it. Am I around people who will, who will sharpen me? I think you have got to have some people in your life that you can sit down and be honest with about what you're going through, mm -hmm. about what's tough. Um, to, to be able to say, here's where I'm struggling and I don't know what I'm going to do. Because if you don't have that, th those things are just going to sit mm -hmm. and they're going to grow and they're going to, they're going to get ugly, you know? Yeah. And, and those conversations can be ugly, you know, trying to admit to someone there's a struggle there. That's rough. You know, that's dark. That's keeping you from being able to, to follow Christ and, and maybe doing a lot of things within your life. And, and if you don't have someone where you can just be honest about that too and know they're going to love you regardless of that in your life um I, I would urge you to find that and to find it quickly and then find mm -hmm. someone you can trust it's not gonna be the first person that comes up to the street and says hey it looks like you're dealing with something can we tell mm -hmm. like it, it's going to be a deep relationship and i i think you have to have that i really do and there's the kind of accountability side of it but then there's also like the um the people who will push you to think about things, not mm -hmm. just in terms of, of, of sin, but examine your theology, examine your knowledge of the Bible, examine, like, is, is your info good? Does it stand up? I mean, there's, yeah. there's so much conversation about that right now and who can you trust and who has good information and who doesn't. And I think we'll get into that more the second episode of this conversation. But are, are, you, are you around people that will challenge you in the right ways and challenge you to think? Yeah. And I've had many experiences where I've been in both of those seats, <laughs> both been the one who's had somebody been like, now, have you thought about this? What about this, this, and this? You said this, but I mean, here's this scripture. That's just straight up wrong. Or, yeah, yeah that sounds fine, but you don't know what you're talking about because da, 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 da. And I've also, you know, if, if you're in a relationship with somebody long enough, it may be on you to be that person and say, hey, have you thought about this? Because that's actually not right. Do we have those kind of relationships? Absolutely. Because you, you, sh you should likely be able to be that for the person and them for you. You mm -hmm. know, uh, that relationship should be a two-way street. And, 
And there's times where you're going to have deep conversations and there's going to be times, even with the same people where you're sitting there going, hold up, is this the same dude I had this talk with last week? Because now he just <laughs> wants to joke around about mess or... Yeah. And, and sometimes because we're human, that person's going to hurt you based off what they know. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I pray you find someone who want, but I've been in situations where I've shared something and then been hurt by it later. That's yeah. going to happen. Don't allow that to completely lose a relationship. Now, yeah, maybe you need to be careful for a little while. I'm not saying you just ignore it and, and move on without some kind of safety net. I, I don't know. Part of it's being honest with someone when they hurt you instead of trying to cover that too, you know? Yeah. But I think you need those people. I think you need to be able to be there for them as much as they are for you. Or, or at a certain point, they're going to feel like the, the feeling's not reciprocated. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think growing up through high school, a lot of times I didn't want to share what was going on in my life and probably even college. And so there were a lot of times where I got to be there for people, but I never felt like there was someone really there for me. Yeah. And that can be, that can be problematic as well. So, you know, I I would say there's different types of relationships and you need to understand what they are. You know, if you're helping to disciple someone, I think there should be a level of transparency there where you can share certain things, but there's also certain things where they may not be equipped to help you with. And so there's, there's another relationship and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's why it's important to have a group of people, not necessarily the, you know, one huge group, but people in your life in different ways to help you through different things, if that makes sense. It does. I had some very key people in my life, still do, who were so much of what they were operating from was the loving, with your, loving God with your mind thing and that how that be needed to be an integral part of your walk as a disciple because historically what a disciple was, was an apprentice to a, a Jewish rabbi and you would go through temple school and they would pick, you know, the best of the best or what have you. And then they'd go into a more intense training and then the best of those would get to apprentice to a rabbi. I think I'm getting that right. Somebody correct me if I'm remembering wrong, but they would then, as Jesus disciples did, it's a pretty good picture. They would then just follow that rabbi around as he traveled around to different synagogues and different towns and things. And while they were on the way, he would teach them how to be a rabbi. And of course, they would study. You know, they'd spend a lot of time reading, uh, reading the what was what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and uh, writings of other rabbis and things like that. And it was a very, <laughs> it was a very kind of intellectual exercise. Like, go study for hours and hours and hours, and then we're going to talk through it, and then you go study some more, and, and all this kind of stuff. So, I don't think it's an accident that the the apostles and the early church leaders refer to followers of Jesus as disciples because i think the the call to to study the words of god and to internalize them to hide them in our hearts uh it is is an essential component of following christ and we mean more than just doing a 10 minute devotional where you read a couple of verses and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. let us say but that's a starting point. That's not an ending point. And that if we, we are called to meditate on the words of God day and night, to you know, r- write them on our doorposts and wear them on our clothing as the, as the priest did and that kind of thing. And we've talked a lot about the kind of Instagram approach to scripture where it's little bitty chunks that kind of are supposed to inspire you for behavior control. Yeah. And... I have really appreciated 
having had people in my life, not just to hold me accountable, who have the wisdom to know when I need to hear about it in that way, but who will expose me to the truth and the depth of God's word and how to interact with it and to encourage me and give me the tools I need to actually pursue it in that way. And I wonder, not, not I wonder, in my experience a lot of the time, even from well-meaning people, it isn't that thing. It's much more about let's, let's keep you motivated, let's keep you inspired, let's give you something that's easy to agree with rather than something that you really have to go chew on and wrestle with. And I, th- I think that maybe is something that we're missing to some degree. There are obviously exceptions. I think the, the pastor of your church is one for, from what I have seen of, and heard of him, that he does a really good job of the teaching side of things. But yeah. Um, have you seen that same kind of thing in your life over the years? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and <laughs> I know our podcast is no stranger to the Instagram scripture conversation, but <laughs> I think I think that's a great example. And even the way you said it there to use it to control. And I think the creation of a print Bible was such a huge deal because people could take it in and read it for themselves and be transformed. Mm. Now there's also a responsibility to do that. Yeah. You know, yes, it's printed, you have it, it's in your hands, but are we using it in that way? And I think there's a problem when, like you said, people are putting stuff out there to try and control a thought in someone rather than allowing the scripture to, to do that naturally within mm-hmm. someone. Um, and I do, I, I see it all the time to where it's, you know, hey, this is going on. And then, you know, you can almost bank on if, and I, I've almost tried not to watch the news here lately or get on uh, <laughs> social media as well. and and um. Uh, I need some more renewing of my own mind in those those areas probably, but you can almost sit and watch what happens on the news and then go to, to Facebook and see on, on, on multiple fronts and multiple sides what people are saying to try and control what you do. That's scary when it's happening across the board, you know, because yes. one side wants to yell at the other, oh, well, they're doing this to control you and they're doing this to make this happen. But the truth is we're all doing it. Um, and, and very few people are interested in having conversations rather than just doing that, you know, and, and actually using scripture in a way, I don't even like the word using scripture now, allowing scripture to move in their life mm-hmm. the way it should, as opposed to using it for whatever, whatever political or, or whatever purpose, you know, that I don't think scripture is here to be used in a political purpose. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's certainly not its primary purpose. It, it, it's not that there aren't principles there that can't be applied to our societies, but the kingdom of God is not of this world, as we've talked about. Before. Correct. And that at the end of the day, there is no, everybody needs to hear this. There is no country in which God's will is done no. perfectly. There just no. isn't. There is no government. <laughs> Even his own people couldn't do it. All right. The, the only no. sphere in which God's will is done as he intends it is when his people indwelt and motivated and led by the spirit do his will. And that has no borders and that has no nationality. That is all that is open to all people everywhere at all times. And it's yep. a much better idea than we have this holy hill over, over here where we do it right. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and that's my, my point. You know, it shouldn't be a political tool for manipulation. That's mm-hmm. not what scripture is. Well, there's another verse that talks about that the, the word is alive and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And there's a reason that they said double-edged sword because it cuts yep. both ways. And then if you've yep. ever held a sword, you know that it's, um, you don't just have to know how to wield it, wield it to attack your opponent, but how to wield it in such a way that you don't hurt yourself 
or you, the soldiers from your army on either side of you. And I think there's so we see so much wielding of scripture in one direction. Like it's yeah. we want to re, we want to cut with one side of the blade and not the other, and it just doesn't work like that. And I think that's what I'm I'm looking for and being pressed in, you know, myself. I think this the past year, year and a half, two years more than ever, have shown me the dangers of trusting a system other than Christ. You know, if you were looking for the government to be what Christ should be, it's not going to happen. No, Capitol Hill and the Hill of Calvary are very different. Yes. Very different. And the thing is, there's so much political subtext to a lot of what went on when, when Jesus yeah. was here in the person that we, we probably don't have time to get into, but they were, the, the Jewish people were looking for a political Messiah. And one of the reasons why Jesus ended up crucified is because he refused to be one in the way that they mm. were expecting. And there's some very specific, very on purpose things he did at different points to demonstrate to them, hey, what's your, I'm going to fulfill what you're expecting, but not in the way that you're expecting. And it's not what they want, and yeah. it's still not what we want. We want him to hate the people we hate, and we want him to judge the people we want judged and restore us to, you know, <laughs> his right hand or whatever, whatever it looks like. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I, don't, <clears throat> I don't know, y'all. We're talking a little bit about what politics. Don't, don't take us as being someone who really wants to get into, like, being a political commentary podcast. That's not our goal. What, what we want to do is look at what's going on and say, okay, as believers, how do we— make sense of this yes um how do we navigate the area of hey there's there's two parties vying in america we're not supposed to identify solely with either one that's not our our master and uh not that we may not have leanings toward one way or the other um but uh, you know as taylor and i've talked about a lot and we've probably talked about on here i think most people probably fall somewhere between the two sides that you see on the media and the problem is we're just not having conversations that allow people to see that. Yeah. And I'm somebody, this probably comes from my punk rock days. I, I don't <laughs> like people putting words in my mouth and I don't like people telling me what the terms of the game are going to be mm. and to my own detriment at times. But just when somebody says, this is the way it is the end, I'm always like, is it though? Does it have to be? Because it's that, have we thought about this? Have we thought through it? Have we, have we taken an honest step back, engaged these brains God get, that God gave us and said, hmm, let me ponder that. Let me sift that. Let me, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I think about wisdom a whole lot. And in Proverbs, wisdom is talked about as the thing that God built the universe on. And if you have an answer for any situation, you don't need wisdom. Because you know exactly, mm. like if you're letting your tribe give you your answers, you don't need to be wise because you don't need to think. And yeah. what, what we find is that life under the sun requires a lot of wisdom. Dealing with people in relationships and knowing how to respond as Christ would respond to them takes wisdom. Knowing how to be self-aware enough to know where your blind spot's for takes wisdom. And if we take our minds out of the equation... We can't, we can't engage with them in that way because we're not, we're not open to what the shaping that God wants to use in that situation. And I don't know, I think we could probably go a few places with this even in the future. You know, the scripture says all your mind, all your heart, all, all your, so that there's a lot of things that we're supposed to devote completely to Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the key thing is they're not part of that. Let me read that scripture quite, right quick, but finish your thought. Yeah, no, no, well, I mean, maybe it's better for you to read it before I finish it. Okay, so this is Deuteronomy 6, and this is called the Shema. Shema is here in Hebrew, but 
there's there's kind of three components of it. There's hear, which is like I hear a sound. There's listen, which is stop what you're doing and devote all your attention to this and understand, which is respond to it. So it's hear, listen, respond, all contained in the same word, which I think is pretty mm. cool. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And Jesus quotes this in um, Matthew 22 when he's responding to, uh, let's see, one of the teachers of the law was questioning Jesus. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, which you quoted earlier. Now, there is no Hebrew word for mind. That wasn't a concept that they had, like the consciousness, the kind of brain stuff. They didn't know about all that. They were ancient Near Eastern, you know, farmers, (laughs) a lot of them. And so they didn't necessarily have that. In Greek, by Jesus' day, they did. The Greeks had, you know, words for mind, and they kind of had that concept. So one of two things is happening here. When Matthew wrote this down, either he understood that the concept of mind was contained in the original Hebrew word, and he added it to make sure that we knew it, or Jesus adds it himself <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the prayer when he's quoting it. Now, either one of those is pretty significant. So Jesus yeah. either changed the most famous prayer in all of Judaism because he wanted to make a point or Matthew understanding that this was an important aspect of the original command made it explicit when he wrote it in Greek. So mm. either way, this is really dadgum important. <laughs> yeah. You know, absolutely. For, for him to say, this is it. E- even before loving your neighbor, which is. So much of what Jesus talked about was about loving the people around us and how that works out in real life using wisdom, you know, living life under the sun. But before that, you have to love God with your mind. Mm-hmm. That, that really landed on me when I first heard it and noticed it. And somebody uh, kind of took my hand and drew me to that. That like, hey, pay attention to this. This is super important. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't think you can do the second one without the first. I don't mm. think you can truly love your neighbor without loving Christ. And if, if you do love Christ fully with all, again, I think all mm. is a big part of that too, um, all of your heart, soul, mind, then, then it's going to be evident in your actions with others. You're going to be able to love people that have a different political view, that believe they differently how they protect their family, that that maybe have nothing in common with you, to be honest. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I tend to think you can find commonality with everyone if you look hard enough, but sometimes it just doesn't seem like it's there. And guess what? You can love those people too. Yeah. I once said like uh, <laughs> a mock quotation, love your enemies unless they do things you don't like and believe things that you don't agree with and uh, try to hurt you because they don't agree with you. Well, that's, that's not what it says. Yeah. God ultimately loved his enemies so much that he came down here as one of us to share our experience died for us to overcome the gap that was between us and left left us his spirit to guide us into a greater understanding of who he is so that we could do the things he wants us to do and we have a hope that eventually all that is wrong with the world he's going to make right and he invites us to share in all that 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 is knowing christ that is that is the overall game plan of what he's trying to do and when we don't love God with our minds, we're missing, we're missing out on an essential part of the plan 
of knowing God for who he is and being known and then extending that same knowing to other people. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, when you're looking at this, and we've mentioned the two masters kind of side of this, who do you want to serve? Someone who's promising to try and defend you from a big building or someone who, who came to die for you with you in mind Yeah, and rose again to, to give you life? All right. Thank y'all for listening to episode 11. We do want to thank you all for, for joining, for continuing to join, uh, even though we maybe haven't been as regular as we'd like to be, as I mentioned earlier, we're getting there. Uh, hopefully this conversation was was helpful just to think through. We're, we're really excited about the second part of this conversation, but kind of wanted something positive to lead into that. It's true. We did want something positive to lead into that. And now that you've heard that totally useless aside, thank you again for listening. We'd appreciate if you would share the podcast with somebody if you're getting something out of it. And if you have any suggestions for stuff we should cover or ways that we could make the show better, we would love to hear them. Unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com. That's true, too. Thanks again.